Hey everybody, I'm David Sintner. I'm the founder and CEO of Thought Leaders, and this is The Purpose Driven Entrepreneur. What's up, Purpose Driven Entrepreneurs? It's me, your host, Timmy Bauer, and my guest today, David Tintner. He's the founder uh, and CEO of Thought Leaders. He is also the host of the Hacking UI podcast. David, welcome to the show. Hey, Timmy, thanks a lot for having me on. And um, and yeah, I'm actually now hosting the Thought Leaders podcast as well. Uh, oh, okay. So you can check us out there too. I had the Hacking UI podcast for a couple of years, and we have a lot of great episodes going back um, three or four seasons there. And my new show is actually the Thought Leaders podcast where we're helping uh, brands who are looking to get into the world of content like YouTube, podcasts, email newsletters, blogs, Twitch, and also the creators of that content. Um, and we're interviewing both people from the brand side, people from the creator side, and trying to um, really give a lot of, of actionable insights for both. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so David, just to give listeners a little bit of context on you, um, as quickly as you can, I would just love for you to say how your business works. In other words, like who are your customers? How do you get them? When did you start it? And what's been your growth? So I'll give you one short sentence that, uh, that kind of sums up what we do. So thought letters, we really see ourselves as the Google analytics of content. Um, basically businesses are, brands are trying to um, track the website activity that they have on their own site. They're trying to figure out their marketing funnels and all this. But what's really changed over the last couple of years is that brands are getting tons and tons of views or impressions inside of content. And that's kind of the end game. Like people are going onto YouTube when they want to um, buy a car. They're checking out car yep. reviews on YouTube. Right. Yep. And then they're, they're looking around and then they listen to a podcast where people are discussing, is this car better than that car for this model? Okay. And then, you know, a few months later, they walk into the dealership and they buy, they didn't even go to, you know, the Mitsubishi website at all. So yep. what we're doing at thought leaders is we're tracking what's going on inside of the world of content on a really, really deep level and breaking that down into all the different pieces so that brands can figure out where they're appearing, where they're not appearing and how they can get their story across. Um, so our customers, our main customer is a, someone in the marketing department of a large brand that really wants to get into their brand's messaging and their brand's um, uh, appearance within content. Yeah, yeah. So my, I guess my first question that I want to ask you is for somebody who's in a similar situation as the one that I'm in. So I've got a, I've got a business, small team trying to figure out, you know, what are the best uses of my time? What's something, uh, like what's a piece of advice that you would give related to creating content to somebody in my shoes? Well, first of all, you gotta be doing it. Um, I think that if we were having this conversation a few years ago, you know, there, there was that, the question was like, should I be, should I not be? Maybe should I be doing it a little bit here or should I be focusing on something else? Like that's not the question anymore in 2021. The question is you yes. have to be doing it. Of course. So let's start with that as our baseline. You have to be creating content uh, if you want to have any serious presence for any business. Yes. Um, now with that as the baseline, let's say, what does that mean? Well, you have to do it consistently. You have to, that's, I would say that's like the key thing, no matter what, we're not even going to talk yet about what you should be creating, right? I'm just saying that you're going to produce some content. You got to do something consistently. 
Like you cannot expect that you're going to, you know, pop up a couple videos on YouTube or a couple episodes of a podcast. And all of a sudden, like, you know, people are going to be breaking down the doors to get into your business or to buy your product or whatever. It doesn't work like that. So whatever you're going to produce content wise, you have to be able to do it consistently. You have to be able to do it for a while. And if I can start, like, I guess one big piece of advice is that so many creators or business owners that are thinking about being content creators uh, get really, I guess, demoralized early on when they don't see like immediate success, right? When, you know, because in the world of content, everything is so measured today that you're starting to look at the views and the likes and the listens and the downloads and the shares, right? And if you don't get that kind of like instant gratification from the content you're producing, so many creators just get so demoralized by it. But the piece of advice I would give is that you have to understand you have to keep going. Everyone's been in this position before. No one, nobody has produced like some YouTube channel or podcast overnight and just it's instantly successful and it just like worked out. It doesn't work like that. Not in 2021. It, do, it doesn't work yeah. like that. Maybe a couple people got lucky like seven years ago. This, it doesn't work like that anymore. Um, you really have to keep going. You have to get through the that kind of like demoralizing phase where things just are not, you're not getting like the engagement you want. And the good news is that you're building up this library of content that is going to be useful for you, right? When you eventually do start getting some engagement, you know, it might take you a year of really consistently producing content before you're getting like any meaningful engagement on it. That could happen. But when that happens, it's not like everything you did up until that, you know, that the new stuff you did this um, right now is just wasted. No, all the people who start building into this audience are going back and they're, they're kind of viewing this library of content. Yeah. So yeah. stick it out. It's not going to be easy, but you got to do it. How do you recommend that? Uh, so somebody, somebody in, in similar shoes to me is not thinking like whether or not they should be creating content. Like that's definitely not what's on their mind. It's more just what is the type of content that I should be creating and on what platforms? What are your thoughts around that? Well, the first thing you got to do is really in order to answer what type of content you should be creating is figure out who you want to be impacting with your content. It's not an easy question. Um, even at Thought Leaders, we're we're doing this for a couple of years now, and we're still asking ourselves this question all the time. And the answer is still changing. Um, even this year, it changed a few times, and that led to different um, content strategies for us as well. Um, so the type of content and where you're doing it really depends on who you're trying to reach and who you're trying to impact. Um, what I can say is that there are a few platforms today that help with kind of the discovery. So that's something that can give you a bit of a boost. Um, for example, YouTube is, it's, it's not easy to produce high quality video, videos on a consistent basis. Um, but if you're going to do, let's say a podcast, for example, and you can also record the video version of that podcast and you can put it on YouTube as well. And you can kind of hone in on the ed added um, discovery that YouTube will give you and help you find more of an audience. Like that's kind of a hack that that's worthwhile doing. Um, you don't necessarily have to put the same exact podcast episode just in video form up on YouTube, right? You could also cut clips out of it and you can also turn that content into something else um, that 
that is just based off you know the raw episode that you recorded but turn it into maybe um a highlight reel or all sorts of different things you can do in order to get it on youtube something else you can do is really take advantage of the new live streaming platforms that are out there as well as stuff like twitch which has been around for a while so if we're just playing off this example of doing a podcast mm. right um then what you can do is you can let's say live stream your podcast. So when you're actually doing doing the interview with your guest or however you're doing your, your podcast, it can be live, right? And use, let's say you're using Twitch. So that can be one way that you're getting discovery. Okay, great. Then when that episode is finished uh, being recorded live, right? Then you're editing it and you're cutting up the audio and you're distributing it, distributing it to all the audio hosts, great. And then you're turning the video into um, a main episode on YouTube and clips that are going on on Instagram and Facebook and, and YouTube as well can have clips. Um, so I would try to make the most out of the work you're doing. Um, yeah. One other thing that I'm curious, I'm curious what you think about this to me, but yeah. one of the major benefits I got from hosting a podcast and still get like one of my favorite reasons for doing it is, is, um, is not even on the impact I'm having on the, the listeners of the episode. It's actually sure. my interactions with the guests, 100%. right? Like, I'm, I'm inviting on guests that I really want to talk to. And 100%. that can be, you know, just I'm in a certain place in my own, I don't know, entrepreneurial struggle that yep. I want to talk with someone who maybe has been there before. I read something about them or saw them somewhere. And I'm like, that person knows the yes. answer. I need to, I need to talk with them. Yes. So podcast is quite the hack to get you like these meetings with people that you can really get help from. A thousand percent. Um, what I will say about that, David yeah. is like, so in my podcast strategy, the type of person that I'm trying to serve as far as the listener goes is a somebody that is building a company, uh, somebody that is an industry leader in a company or is building a company that is supposed to become an industry leader in their industry. Uh, so that's who I'm trying to serve listener wise. I don't have a lot of listeners, but I do have a lot of people that engage with me on LinkedIn. And so the micro content gets good engagement on LinkedIn. So that's awesome. Um, and those people that are engaging with me on LinkedIn, those are the types of people that I'm trying to have. Uh, like, um, I guess audience for me is probably the wrong word because they're not interacting with me necessarily the way I would think of as an audience interacting with me. They're interacting with me more as a community. But um, but what you're saying about the guest is 100% accurate. And for me, it's, it's, it's in like two counts. Like one... Um, well, three, actually one, they, they are the kind of people that I want to learn from because of where I am in business, uh, two, they are my customers. Like, like, you know, mm. no offense to you, David, but like, you would be a great customer of mine and I'm not going to try to hard sell you, but that's just the reality of the situation. Like you, you're somebody that would benefit from having the kids book for your industry. So I've gotten plenty of customers from just interviewing the types of people that would make great customers. Um, and then number three. If you're not, even regardless of that, the books that Dinosaur House is creating are the kinds of books that you would want to read to your kids. So you're also the person that like all of the things that we're making for our customers, we would want you to be consuming. <laughs> so the other thing that I'm about to start doing is everybody that I've had on the podcast, I'm just going to start sending them free copies of the books that we're making as a company because you are the types of people that would want to have I want to have a podcast when I grow up or uh, the 10 rules of leadership told by rocks or some of the other books that dinosaur house is making. 
That's awesome. And uh, I think it's a really smart move by you. And we're, do we're doing the same thing on our side too. Um, you know, definitely going after guests who could potentially be customers or strategic partners or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'm super interested. As I was telling you before we, we hopped on uh, the, the show that I got a one-year-old. So, you know, any yeah. books I can get my hands on, uh, yeah. especially if they're in English, because I'm living in, uh, in Israel now. So yeah. I'm, I'm looking for English children's books all the time. And, yeah. um, and I definitely, uh, as you were telling me about your business before the interview too, I mean, I think it's a brilliant idea. So cool Thank you. to, Thank you. to really, um, to, to, to give people that opportunity to be able to publish a book like that. I mean, and, um, I can definitely, definitely see the appeal. Yeah. So we'll have to keep the other thing that I'll say <laughs> about what you were saying, the strategy that you're talking about, like there's a lot of value in you just you just have a podcast. It's literally just like you have a computer. Um, so you have a computer, so you create a podcast. It's just an excuse to talk to the kinds of people that you want to talk to in order for it to, I think something that you can skip right past if you're not, if you're not making a point to focus on it is doing things that will map to audience growth. Like for me, it's micro content. I know from experience with the literacy advocate, my other podcast for teachers, micro content is the path to audience growth. So just spinning out, you know, six to 10 really great pieces of micro content per episode is the path to growing an audience. And it, anybody that you want to talk to, that's going to come on your show, I'm sure they would like to know that you have a plan for how you're going to try to take the content that you're extracting out of them and, and feed it to an audience. Well, it's definitely a function, right? I mean, if you, it's not always going to be easy to get every guest that you want. So if you can kind of feed someone's ego or, or show them that like, you know, this is going to be a great use of their time because they're going to get something awesome out of it. If they go on the show, then th that obviously helps. Yeah. Um, but some you asked, you know, you asked me before about like, if I had any kind of uh, advice for entrepreneurs. Yes. So one thing I would say, just kind of a general piece of advice, not even just about content, um, is that you should not be shy to just ask people to help. So I, that's something that I think, um, it might be obvious to some people, but I promise yeah. to other people listening, that's like not obvious at all saying, wait, yeah. what do you mean? I, I have business. How can I, ask someone just for help you mean like pay them like you know give them equity in my company or or make them a consultant no 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 i mean literally just like ask people to help you for free yeah right yeah. um there's a lot of people myself included that i'm like really happy to just help people that that ask for it i ask people for help all the time they help me yeah. um yeah. you know obviously you can't do everything right so i'm not saying if if you're an entrepreneur and, and people are asking you for help all day long and you know, you can't run your own business because of it. Sure. It's not really what I'm talking about, but, um, but I think that a lot of entrepreneurs are just kind of afraid or shy or, or think that it's not like acceptable just to say like, will you help me? Yeah. So kind of reeling this back into the idea of how, why the podcast is good. Cause you get to, to, to bring on guests. Right. Um, I think that it doesn't, it doesn't have to be such a transactional thing. Like, you know, my podcast will give you X therefore, yeah. you know, come on. Right? There's a lot of people that are just like, if, if you said, look, can I pick your brain for 15 minutes? I got this really tough problem working on and I think you solved it before. And like, it would be a huge help for me if you would, if you would be willing to just like, just help me out. There's tons of people that are, that are willing to do that. Myself. Included. Yeah. 
Uh, David, I would like to ask you a question right now. That's very, uh, I would like to pick your brain. It's directly related to what you just said. So um, how do you think about, so when, when you, when you've, when you have somebody that you look up to and you're like, oh yeah, that person's got some really good thoughts and they like your business and they want to take on like an advisor role and get equity in your company. How do you think about that? Because I, I never even imagined that I would be having this conversation. I've had this conversation with many people a lot. And honestly, it's a little bit, this is me being gut level honest. It's a little bit frustrating because um, it's so early in the business that I don't, I don't even know the first thing about how to value equity in this company. Okay, so there's a lot to unpack there, but I actually, I think I can give um, some pretty solid advice just in my own opinion, because I've, I've gone through this a bunch. Um, let me start with the short answer is that I'm, I'm not a big fan of like getting a bunch of advisors and giving them equity. I've gone down that road a couple of times where it never ended with us actually starting a relationship, uh, but multiple people that I looked up to and I thought like, wow, they can give me some awesome advice. And like, I really want them on my team. And then they said their response was kind of like, actually what happened in all the cases, and this happened probably at least three or four times that I can think of sharply that happened to me. They started, they did give me a, um, a, a good amount of free advice at the beginning. And that was super helpful. Yeah. And then they were like, look, like if we want to keep this relationship going, like then um, why don't you give me, you know, some percentage of your company? And I was like, well, wait a second, <laughs> you know, okay, now we're making this a transactional thing. So we need to really define terms here. And for me, it, it never ended up being worth it and we didn't continue. And what I found was that there's a, like I was just saying, there's so many people that are willing to, to really help out, not because they want something in return, that, um, that those are the people that actually, they really cared about, you know, my well-being, my success, my company's success, they really cared about it. And they wanted to help just because they cared and they were, were good people. And the yeah. people who were really more transactional about it were just thinking about it like a business decision for them. They're like, it, can I, if I spend this much time on it, can I get this much money? Uh, you know, and I yeah. feel like that's for a lot of people, that's not really that helpful especially yeah. in the earliest stages of business. Um, you brought up the, the fact that like, okay, how do I value this company, right? Because um, I know this isn't just in the early stages. Um, usually the founder of a company, obviously I hope like really believes in the company and where is it, where it's going, not where it's at today, but what it's going to become, obviously yeah. is going to value this company more than anyone else, right? Yeah. Like, and, and that should be the case. If you, if other people value your own company more than you do, that's kind of weird, right? You need to be yeah. like all in and fully confident that you're going to take <laughs> it and build something amazing. Yeah. Um, so when you start getting into these like kind of equity discussions that early for, for advisory roles, it's, you know, any advisor you pick up that is not going to value it the same way that you do. So you're going to have a hard time, I think, giving off something that you feel is fair and at the same time, something that is incentivizing to them. Um, yeah. So I guess in short, if someone is only being incentivized in the early stages of your business because they think that they're going to get some like financial gain from helping you, 
that's a really big red flag for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do you, um, yeah. Do, so you, but you have given up equity in your business, right? So I have co-founders. I have co-founders. Yeah. Um, and, and um, I, but outside of our, the co-founders, we haven't given up any equity. Um, the boot company is completely bootstrapped. We yeah. haven't taken on any outside investors. And that's actually something I'm really proud of and something that I, um, I wanted to do really differently. I, I had a previous startup um, that we went the equity route, raised money from VCs. And um, I wanted to do this one differently. I really wanted to build business and that, that actually drove value from customers that were willing to pay us, were willing to give yeah. us money in order to fund our growth. That so is all where of the I'm growth, at for sure. Yeah. So 100% of the growth of thought leaders comes from the, um, the profits generated from our customers were, um, I, I don't like this metric, like in terms of, I don't like to like brag about this number as something that I think you should aspire like headcounts of the company, but I, I think it kind of like lets people, gives people kind of a picture of where we stand today. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're about 30 people today. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're probably going to be around 40, 45 over the next couple months. Um, so we're, we're growing pretty quickly. Um, and that's 100% fueled from, from our customers. Um, I wouldn't say that we would never ever give up equity or allow an outside investor for any reason, but it's definitely not the goal. The goal yeah. is to keep building a successful business that our customers are fueling the growth. Yeah. The way that I feel about it now, I'm just kind of talking out loud is I would, I, I think I could only give up equity to somebody that I deeply know and trust and can see a tremendous amount of value that they're going to add to the business and growth and, and, and work that they're going to do in growing the business. And so if I can't say all those things about the person, then I, then I can't give up equity. Well, look, if you're going to give up, when you say give up equity, right. And you're talking about um, someone who's going to be operational, right. Let's like, okay. I said my piece on what I think about like advisors, usually yeah, advisor yeah. is talking about, you know, I'll give you like one hour of time, like once a week or once a month or something, right? That's not what I'm talking about. You're talking about like a co-founder, someone who's operational, someone who's going to be working as hard as you are on the business, investing as much time, taking as much risk. Okay. So if you're talking about that, then I think giving up equity to someone is really just a function of, um, of are they going to cr create more total value, right? Like yeah. at the end of the day, it's just a pie and you have, let's say if you have a hundred percent of a small pie, but you can have 50% of like a pie that's, you know, 10 times larger, then it's just kind of like a math function that that's worth more. Right. Um, yeah. But, but that's talking about operational people, right. That you're, that are kind of like co-founders or, or senior employees or that level um, giving up equity to, to investors is something else. Right. Cause again, they're not operational day-to-day -day people. They're kind of coming from the outside and then they're going to have different demands and different requirements. And that might force you to change your company um, in ways that you might not want. Um, so I think if you're giving up equity to someone who's like operational level co-founder or, or really meaningful employee, then it's, it's almost like a marriage, you know, it's almost, it's a serious relationship 
that going back to what you said, I have to have trust in them. You have to want to you know, wake up every day and go to work with this person and enjoy it and yeah. feel that like you make each other better and that yeah. you know, they, they can complete things that you can complete. I mean, it's, it's really a relationship. Yeah. That's, I feel embarrassed that I think about it that way, but that is how I think about it. Like, you know, it's one of the, I think it's going to be one of the biggest assets that I ever build. And so like sharing it is similar to thinking about like being married. It's very similar. One thing I can tell you though, is that um, there's a lot of, so I totally understand the like fear of giving up something that you value very highly but I also think it's important to, uh, I'm a big fan of co-founders. I do not think I could build a business without them because um, you, you're not like, it's not that you're, I don't look at it as like, I'm giving up something. I actually look at it about what I'm getting, which the most, at the most basic level, going back to this relationship metaphor is that they're really giving you support to, to carry on. I mean, entrepreneurship is really hard. Like, yes. Unbelievably hard. Anyone who's done it for for more than a couple of years tell you like this is really really hard stuff. Like some of the hardest stuff you could possibly do. So um, to do it all alone and not have someone who's deeply invested in it the way that you are and can give you the support when the tough times come because they inevitably they will. Yeah. That it's difficult to go it alone. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. Uh, David, I, we talked so much about this, but it's been like a great conversation. I really appreciate it. But the, the one thing that I started this podcast for is I thought it would be really interesting to ask purpose-driven entrepreneurs who've built companies, what it is they're really living their life for. So when I, if I ask you the question, like, how do you want to be remembered when you die? Or what is it that you're living your life for? What jumps out to you as important? Asking the easy questions, huh? (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I, I think that there's a couple, uh, different levels that I'm looking at this there. My, my first level, if we're talking in, um, you know, on a basic level, I mean, I'm living my life like for my family and I care about the, that I'm, I'm, um, building a great life for them and, um, being an entrepreneur is part of that. Um, right? Like being able to provide not, not just like financially, but the, the lifestyle that I want for them, being around for them, being able to kind of lead by example. Um, so that's, I think the, on the most basic level, what, why I'm doing it. And then when I look at like, let's say abstract that one layer away, the, the next most important thing for me is the, the company that I'm building. I really want to build a company that people can can thrive in that people love going to work every day that really that it gives them everything that they're looking for in their careers at this time um i or we we recently um brought on an excellent uh executive to the management team thought leaders um hannah wimberly who's who's our vphr and one of the first things she asked me when even before she joined and she was like kind of testing us out to see if she wanted to join said so can you tell me about your principles like what are your principles running the company yeah okay i was like oh man i don't know i never formalized any principles so i had to think about that and the first one that um that she that i kind of gave back to her was i said like 
I believe in really promoting from within. And, and that means that I, I want to build a company where we can create an environment that people join and they're given a chance to, to grow. And that as a principle of the company, we, we try to promote people and move them up to where in their careers within the company, the goal is not to just like, you know, bring people on for the one position that they're doing today, leave them at that until they burn out and, you know, hire on top of them as we grow. Not at all. Um, so going, so going back to you know, my purpose on the company level, I really want to build a company where people can thrive, where people can grow and that they can succeed in their careers. And that that's something that they'll really remember. And they'll look back on their time and thought leaders that like that was pivotal to them and it gave them a chance to that was just, you know, unmatched. Yeah. And then the last layer is kind of what thought leaders is doing for the world and why, okay, so there's this, this company that we're putting together and all these people that are working so hard on it, but like, why, what are, what are they showing up for every day and why does it matter and why should they care about it? And that's really about showing the value of content. Um, we're doing a bunch of different stuff, but it all comes back to the fact that we really believe that high quality, long form content is just something invaluable to the world, to yeah. the way that people use the internet, to basically a free society, to democracy, to, you know, it's, it's just foundational to um, who we are as people and kind of the world we want to live in. And I think something that's changed or really been, maybe not changed, but really been highlighted a lot over the past few years is that the internet is filled with a lot of um, with a lot of crap, like to put it bluntly. And there's there's like the spammy stuff, there's the 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 really like bad evil stuff, um, and there's the 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 stuff that's being produced on the internet is really based on where the incentive is coming from. If people are incentivizing producing bad stuff, evil stuff, or stuff that even if it's not like, let's say evil, but like just clickbait or, or non like useful content, if that's being incentivized and that's the world that we're all going to live in. Uh, so what we're trying to do at thought leaders is really give the tools for people to understand how valuable high quality, long form content is and really incentivize that whole industry so that that's the stuff that rules the internet and the stuff that powers our society rather than like the clickbait and just the yeah. crap. Yeah. I love it. Uh, David, I have a for fun question for you. So I'm a kid's book author. I believe that part of leaving a legacy is reaching the hearts of kids. What's a topic or idea you'd make a kid's book about if you could? Oh, okay. Okay. Um, well, I have to say I'm biased a bit because I, I see right behind you the book that you have there going on um, how to start a podcast, I think it says, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So this is this is really, this is just... A, brilliant topic um i don't know maybe you can walk me through your process like how would you go about this with your clients how do you help them think about what would be a good topic for for them to put uh yeah do their kids books about the the, the, the way that i encourage customers to think about it is one of two ways either they are positioning they, their positioning is like they're the thought leader of such and such a topic and so they're going to make the kids book that's on that topic because as they're putting out content uh, they can mention a kid's book and instantly like parents that are interested in the topic or the ideas that are being presented are like, yeah, I want to read about that with my kids. So that's one way to think about it is like, what is your area of expertise? Be the person that made the kid's book on that. 
because anybody that's interested in that, who's also a parent is going to want to read that to their kids. So that's one way to think about it. Another very powerful way to think about it. If you're a B2B business and you have like the value of a deal is very high, make the kids book that your customers would love to read to their kids. And then like, if, like, if, if, uh, if you did it in such a way that it was extremely entertaining for kids, your customers are being asked regularly by their kids to read a kid's book that your business made. And that's very powerful. <laughs> so that would be the other way that I would think about it. This is such a cool idea. I, I have to tell you, it really just blew my mind. So one of the biggest challenges, if not it, the single biggest challenge we're working on right now in Thought Leaders is um, we're developing a, a very serious outbound sales strategy for getting into enterprise accounts. And, yeah. um, and um, sending, asking someone if we can send them a kid's book yes. and that kid's book is branded with thought leaders is just genius. Yes. Absolutely genius. So like you want um, that kid's book to be the kind of thing that the decision maker at these enterprise accounts would want to read to their kids. So think about like what's true about this decision maker that if, if, you, if they're reading this kid's book to their kids, they're getting to connect with their kids over what it is that they do. And then the fact that your company is responsible for that, you have thoroughly made it in relationally with that, with that person. Wow, I love it. So uh, sales team, Elsie, Dan, Aton, Blake, everyone listening to this <laughs> episode. <laughs> Guys, we got to prepare a children's book. This is a genius idea from Timmy here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, well, so, because, because we're now having an impromptu sales conversation, if you want help uh, doing that. Um, so like our whole thing is it's all done for you. So we do three Zoom calls with you to pull out of you what it is that this kid's book is going to do how it's going to be uh, impactful, like what's the story going to be, and then like how we're going to make it so that every page of it is thoroughly entertaining to the kids. And then and then we, we make it, we illustrate it, we do everything. Very cool, very cool. So if I had to think of a topic, I think maybe how to be a thought leader, right? Something with playing yeah. off the name. No um, one has done a kid's book like that, that I can, that I can find. <laughs> It might be a, it might be a complicated topic for t kids though. But what's I don't think so. Leader? So my whole but, thesis when it comes to making kids books is that kids are way smarter than we give them credit for. We're talking about making a kids book for a first, second, and third grader. They are very good at at handling big ideas as long as they're presented to them in a way that is thoroughly in their world. Okay. And if, and if you're if you're a All parent right. and your whole thing is thought leadership you would love to read that kid's book to your kids, especially if it's entertaining to them. So I'm not trying to hard yeah. sell you, David, but like, I, I, I'm, I have a very strong opinion. When it I mean, this is, this is, no, really, this is, I told you, you blew my mind. Uh, I'm not just saying that that's just a genius uh, way to, to uh, get into your customer's minds and, um, and tying this all back into what we've been talking about what I mean, the core of what we do at Thought Leaders is analyze, is analyze content and understand like what's going on in it, right? So there's, yeah. the, but we do that because there's so much of it now. So if you have this kind of a way to get into people's minds and really get your brand or your message in front of them on a 
pretty consistent basis that's that stands out i mean that's that's killer yep yep i love it okay david um we are out of time my last for fun question for you what is something you currently suck at that a year from now you want to be great at Ooh, uh playing guitar I, okay, one year fine. ago, I started to learn how to play guitar, teaching myself. And I, I always wanted to play guitar, like my entire life. A couple of times I tried to learn taking lessons. It didn't really stick. Uh, but about a year ago, I was just, I don't know, something snapped. And I was like, I don't care what happens. Like, I'm not stopping. This time, I'm going to learn how to play guitar. So I've been doing it for about a year. And I currently suck at it. <laughs> and... Um, but I am not giving up and I am proud to say that I do see improvements. I feel that things are starting to compound. Um, and one year from now, I don't know. I do not think I would be great at it in one year, but I'm also setting my sights pretty far. I want to be like, I want to be very good. Yeah, um, yeah. But one year from now, I think I can have significant improvements and I definitely don't want to slow down the, the rate of learning or growth on it at all. Sweet. I love it. Okay, cool. That gives me something to ask you about in a little while. Uh, David, you yeah. rock. This has been a super fun conversation. I've loved talking to you. Um, uh, where are you most active and where would you like listeners to connect with you? Uh, so first of all, we'd make a lot of content at Thought Leaders. Um, I'm the host of the Thought Leaders podcast. So definitely check that out. If you thought this conversation was interesting, then those yeah. might be as well for you. Um, and if you want to connect with me, feel free to add me on LinkedIn. I'm actually most active, surprisingly enough. Um, that's probably like my main source of, of content consumption and also availability. So yeah, yeah. Um, find me on LinkedIn and, um, and yeah, check out our podcast. Awesome. Love it. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much for having me. It's been great.